for a Yehudi Dalia who's sitting at the ocean with the palm trees behind her and has a delicious breeze. The rest of us are worried about the atmosphere in the room. We've got to get Junior to come in and fix the, uh, the air conditioning. Anyway, we had eight sessions together where we really, for the most part, covered mitzvah number one. Now, we didn't cover it. We didn't cover it. We discussed it a little bit. We, we took a, a, a drop of it and discussed it, a drop in the bucket. And then we had one short review time together where a few of us were together. And now we're going to today just um, engage with mitzvah number two. So first, let's take a, mit, a minute, all of us. Let's just remind ourselves of all of the sheish mitzvahs which are a very, very big responsibility that we have to fulfill at every single moment of our lives. And let's say them together, even if you're muted, or you can unmute and we can say them together. Mitzvah number one, you should know Hashem. Hashem. Mitzvah number two, you shouldn't Hashem. Mitzvah number three, you should know Hashem. Know Hashem is one. Number four, you should love Hashem. You should love Hashem. Five, you should fear Hashem. Six, So we we did discuss number one to a large degree, and we understood from this that Hashem is the creator, sustainer, supervisor of the world. That the more we understand His world, the more we understand Him. That there really is nothing else but him. And our job is to relate to him and come to know him and come to bring him as part of our lives every minute of our lives. Good. We did that. Before we start, let's just take a minute and understand the period of time in which we are standing right now. Okay? We are in the middle of the fourth week of the Omer. We haven't completed the fourth week yet. We're just in the middle of the fourth week. And we know that these weeks between Pesach and Shavuos are an opportunity for us to come close to Hashem, to come together as a people, and to be ready for Kabbalah Satorah on Shavuos. So each one of these seven weeks between Pesach and Shavuos has in it the power of the work that Klal Yisrael did when they left Mitzrayim on their way to Harsinai. And each one of these weeks has one of the character traits of Hashem that is in the air during this week and that we are required to try to hold on to. So the first week was uh, reminiscent of the Chesed of Hashem, which is exemplified by Abraham Avinu. The second week was reminiscent of the character trait of Gevura, which was exemplified by Yitzchak Avinu. The third week, last week, was Tiferes, which is a combination of the Chesed and the Gevura, and now put together in Yaakov Avinu. And this whole entire week that we're, that we're in right now is the power of Netzach, which is Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu revealed to us, brought out into the world, and exemplified the Midah, the character trait of Netzach. And Netzach means eternity. It means going on forever. So if you think about Moshe Rabbeinu, in what way did he exemplify Netzach? He gave us the Torah. The Torah is our ability to reach for eternity. It's the only way to achieve eternity. It's what Hashem put into the world, which was the purpose, purpose of the world, which is eternity. So having said that, I just want to take a minute to talk about that so that we can each understand how that relates to us 
in terms of, of our situation now with the coronavirus and in terms of the Sheish Mitzvah Tzimidios that we all really want deep in our hearts to fulfill. So I'm going to talk about a medrash that, that, re, that relates to us, that if you remember the story of when Abraham Avinu came to Mitzrayim the first time, there was a hunger in the land in Canaan, and he comes to Mitzrayim, and he looks at Sarah and he realizes how beautiful she is, and so he puts her in a box. And he puts her in a box because he's afraid that when they see the glory, the real glory of her beauty, that who knows what will happen to her. And he comes to the border leading into Mitzrayim, and of course, there are border guards there. And the Medrash tells us what happened at the border. The border guards say to him, what's in the box? And he says, oh, don't bother opening it. It's, it's a lot of cloth. It's textiles that I, you know, I sell textiles and stuff. It's a lot of cloth. I'll give you the tax on a whole box of this size with cloth inside. And they say, no, no, open it up. We want to see what's inside. And he says, you know what? You know what? Listen, you don't need to open it. I'm going to pay you the tax I would pay if this box was full of silver, okay? Let's say it's full of silver. I'm going to pay you that amount. So they say, no, no, we want to see what's inside. Open up the box. So he says, I'll tell you what. Let's pretend the box is full of gold. I'm going to give you enough tax to cover what it would cost to bring a box of this size into your country. And they said, we want to see what's in the box. So they forced him to open the box. They open up the box. And there is this glorious, this woman of such beauty that it lit up the home of Tzrayim. So the course they take her to Pyrrhus Palace. What happens? Sara Imenu creates what we call Masa Avos Simon Labani, which is where one of our others does something, which then puts an ability into our DNA. What is it that Sara did? She spent that night in Mitzrayim working, davening, pleading to not become sullied by Paro to not have the tumah, the impurity of Mitzrayim, touch her. And as we know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu responded to her tefillos and to all of the work that she put in, and he kept her safe from Paro. The work that she did that night in Paro's palace created the ability for the Jewish people hundreds of years later in Mitzrayim to never, ever get involved in the immorality and the impurity of Mitzrayim, except for one time where it happened by mistake. But we're talking about thousands and thousands of Jews, and never once was there any incident where a Jew became touched by the immorality of Mitzrayim. She put that into us. So you might ask, why did Hashem make this happen? Why did she get taken to the palace of Paro? You see what she did. You see what she created beyond the circumstances that she was in right then, which is Petrius. She created eternity through the work that she did. She put it into our very being. But then Rabbi Ephraim Waxman goes on and he asks a question. He says, it, you can't tell me that Abraham was such a fool. Any one of us coming to a border guard, to a country, and we don't want them to open the box, we're not going to say, oh, don't look inside. I'll pay you the tax. Oh, it's silver. Oh, it's gold. That's making them realize that there's something very precious in here. Of course they're going to open it. So he says in the Hasidish books, it takes the word nitzachon, which means a victory, 
And it takes the word nitzachon. Every time there's a victory, it's nitrius. It's eternity. What is Avram Avinu saying to us? He couldn't win the fight. They're going to open the box. But he could fight it. He could do battle. So first he says it's cloth. That didn't work. Then he says it's silver. That didn't work. Then he says it's gold. That didn't work. But he's showing us every one of those steps is a nitzachon, is a victory that creates nitzchios, that creates eternity. So when we look at this job of doing these sheish mitzvahs and actually living with an awareness of Hashem at every moment, we can get scared and say, I can never do this. I'm just a person. I can never achieve full love of Hashem and awe of Hashem. And I can never, I'm supposed to be totally in control of myself. I can't even say the words I can never because if Hashem gave us this mitzvah, I can fight for it. I could do the cloth and the silver and the gold and keep on fighting. So I'm starting off with this because before we ever start, we're convinced that we can't do these sheish mitzvahs, these six mitzvahs. Every single one of us thinks that we can't really achieve this. And secondly, we are now in a period of time where this koach, this power of nitzchios is in the air. Let's grab hold and remember that every time we fight Ayotzahara, even if we lose, it's worth extending the amount of time that you haven't given in. Now, if you recall, we had talked about, we had looked at the Shulchan Aruch, the opening of the Shulchan Aruch by Rabbi Yosef Karo, and that the Shulchan Aruch explains to us everything that we have to do, all the halachas of what we have to do, right? So we, we, we start off with the morning, you wake up, you say Moda'ani, and we had talked about this in one of our classes, where we said that the Ramah comments on the Shulchan Aruch. And in that very, very beginning, he brings the Pasuk from Tehillim, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid. Hashem is before me always. I place Hashem. Shivisi, I place Hashem before me always. And he gives an example and he says, you have to remember that when a person is at home with his family, he acts in one way. He dresses in one way. He talks in one way. He eats in one way. He's very cavalier about things because he's familiar with his family. His family is always there with him. They know who he is. He can't hide anything from them. So says the Ramah that a person, by saying, is reminding himself that he's before a king at every moment. If President Trump came into your house, you wouldn't just sit at your kitchen table in slippers like I am right now, because you're only seeing the top of me. You're not seeing the bottom of me. I'm wearing slippers. If President Trump came into my house now, I guarantee you, I would not be wearing slippers. I would be very dressed up and I'd be wearing my Shabbos shetel and I would do everything to make everything look amazing in my house. And more than that, the Ramah brings the Pasuk from Nirmiyahu. If a person tries to hide in secret corners, I won't see him. I see everything. I'm before you all the time. I know who you are and I know what you're doing and I see you all the time. So here we are at this period in time where we have now retreated into our homes. The last time we were together in the conference room at Shul, we didn't know this was going to be happening. 
And when we talked about Chivisi Hashem Renegdi Sami, that Hashem is before you always, we didn't relate it to the fact that when you're home 24-7, Hashem is there with you. And if we can place him in front of our eyes and remember, as, as we discussed then, that the more you work on something in private, the more power it has. Because when we work on something in public and we know that people are watching us and seeing us, we feel, well, you know, people are noticing I'm, I'm, I'm doing this good thing. You know, it's, it's a good feeling. Look how well I'm davening. Look how much suck I'm giving. Which, by the way, is not so bad because it's good for us to feel the approval of others and it's good for us to feel that we're influencing others. But a piece of that is now public. We don't own it as much. So when we do it privately, when no one knows, the power is unbelievably bigger. And nobody is seeing you with your family or you alone and how you're dealing with that and how you're accepting Hashem's will and direction in your life and how you are finding simcha in life because you recognize that our job is to know Hashem and to serve Him. Those things that are happening in private are unbelievably precious. And they're creating mitzrius. Every day we create mitzrius, eternity, and every day we are fulfilling the purpose of the world, which is for us to achieve that eternity in a close, intimate bond with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So now let's move on to the mitzvah of Lo Elohim Achirim Al The second one of the Aseris HaTibros, you should not have any other God before me, which we translate as, you shouldn't think there's any power other than Hashem. So actually nowadays, we're not really involved in Avodah Zarah. The closest I've ever come to Avodah Zarah was a number of years ago. I don't know how many of you remember this. It was maybe 20 years ago where we got a call in the middle of the day that our shaitos are made from hair um, that was burnt in front of Indian idols or Buddhas or something. And so we were all told to take off our shaitos immediately. Some of you might remember that. People burned their shaitos. We all, I ran home from school. I put on a, a, a snood. I left my shaito there and I came back to school. So I don't know, some of you might be too young to remember that, but that was the closest I ever came to you. Or maybe walking into a nail salon and they have a, a Buddha in the corner with some little incense going. I don't really feel a pull to worship that Avodah Zarah, that the idol idols, and I don't think you do either. And that's because nowadays we don't have that pull, but we have it in other ways. So let's understand what this mitzvah is about, a little bit of what it's about. So we know that, let's say in the door of Enosh, right? In the, before the Mabel ever happened, there was a, a generation of Enosh and they recognized, they believed Hashem was the creator. They believed Hashem was the sustainer. But they looked at the world. They looked at the heavens. They looked at the, what they could see of the galaxies, of the stars, of the planets, of the sun, of the moon. And they said, oh my gosh, Hashem is so amazing that he created these amazing powers that bring light and bring darkness and govern everything. We really should turn to those things to help us because they have power from God. It's not that they didn't believe in God, but they believed that there were creations that God had put into the world that could help them. And we know that at that point in time, Hashem actually sent the flood that destroyed a third of the world because they were forgetting something very important. 
which we still struggle with today. So hear this very carefully. Here's the essence of this mitzvah. We are put in this world to have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, an intimate, deep bond with him, and to fulfill the purpose of the world, which is for all mankind to bond with him, knowing that he is all there is. Anytime we abandon HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the source of everything and turn for a solution to something other than him, we are now abandoning our role in this world and the purpose of the world. As soon as we look to something else to give us a Yeshua, to give us help, what we're saying is Hashem is not all there is. He has actually created something else that's subservient to him that's going to help me. But if that other thing doesn't bring you to come closer to Hashem, then you will know it is an Elohim Achirim. So this is going to guide us now as we talk through. We have to start understanding what it is we look to and we look for that makes us think that there's something other than Hashem that can be there for us. I think you'll understand this more as we talk further. Okay. Mrs. Feldman. Yes. There's a question. Do you want me to ask it now or no? Sure. Okay. Um, then why are we commanded to follow what medical doctors tell us? Okay. So that's, that's, we can talk about that. That's Hishtadlis. I'll just very briefly answer that. We have to grow close to Hashem by using the physical world. He put us in a physical body and our job is to use the physical world and to recognize as we use the physical world that it is not our efforts that are going to sustain us. It is only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Your paycheck is not what sustains you. Your job is not what sustains you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sustains you. He will use something in the world of Teva, of nature, to give you what you need. But it's not you that's doing it. And we're going let, to, let's move forward. And I think we're going to be able to understand that question much, much better. And please feel free to ask questions. So Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz says the following. He says, the two words, I can't, are a violation of this mitzvah of you shouldn't believe in any power other than Hashem. What on earth does that mean? What's interesting to me is that Reb Berkowitz worked for many years in the base Medrash in Eshat Torah under the tutelage of Rav Noach Weinberg. And if you look in Rav Noach's writings on the Parsha, he had, there's a book called Wisdom for Living, I think it's called. He says a very interesting thing in Parsha's Vayikra. He says like this. In Tehillim it says, Lo elzar. You shouldn't have a strange God inside of you. What does that mean, a strange God inside of you? There's no strange God inside of me. I got my heart, my kidneys, my lungs. There's no strange God in there, right? And he says, think about it for a minute. In Parsha's Akev, it says, You're going to say in your heart, My strength, my abilities Earn for me what I have accomplished, what I have achieved. We often feel that way. If you have worked very hard to keep your house clean, 
to cook good meals, to create a structure in your home and now everything's working like clockwork, or you're still doing your job from home and you worked all day long and you got things accomplished, ah, I feel good about it. You feel like my efforts really produced this. I like to take a walk down Biltmore very often and there's a woman who lives in a small house right a little bit down from Biltmore and, and um, Beach Cliff. And she has created an English garden in her front yard. Those of you who live on Biltmore probably know what I'm talking about. I always stop there because I like to smell. I like to look. I like to just absorb the beauty of that garden. And every single time I stop there, I think to myself, how many hours of work does she put into this? It's perfect. It's beautiful. Different types of flowers and greens and flora. It's just magnificent and she worked to create this it's her life's work apparently so here's we have to understand this Rav Noach brings the following question suppose somebody asked you are you able to say shema twice a day do you have the ability to say shema twice a day probably you're going to answer yeah i could do that if he asks you can you bench after you eat bread yeah, I could do that. He says, what if the person says to you, can you learn the entire Torah by heart? <laughs> no, no way. So then he says, okay, which statement is more true? That you can say Shema, that you can bench, or that you can't learn the entire Torah by heart? Which statement is more true? And he says, guess what? You can't say Shema. You can't bench. If a Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't give you the ability to say Shema or to bench, you can't. The same being who gives you ability to say Shema, which is something you think is small, I can do it, is the same being that will give you the ability to learn the entire Torah if you want it enough and you put in the effort and you daven for it and you make it something that you want to achieve. We diminish ourselves when we believe that what we achieve is from our own efforts and our own abilities. What do you mean we diminish ourselves? We diminish ourselves because when I believe that it all comes from me, I am limited because I am limited. I have limited abilities. I have limited powers. So if I'm going to achieve, I can only achieve a limited amount. This is why I can't is really a, a, a sense, a taste, a smell of idol worship. Because if you're saying I can't, it means you think I can. I can achieve such and such. I'm so smart. I'm so talented. I'm so capable. Of course I can do that. Oh, but that I can't do because I don't have the abilities. When you recognize that you really can't do anything without Hashem, the sustainer, giving the ability to do it, you are now unlimited. You're not limited when you realize it all comes from him and he is unlimited. The question is how much you want to do, how much effort you're willing to put in. So he brings an interesting thing. He says when he, when he he's, Rav Noach says, my great-grandfather's the Slonimer Rebbe. So I meet some of my Slonimer cousins, you know, and he's originally from America, and they say to him, Noach, 
When you came to America, you wore a light-colored suit. You weren't even such a, like, what's going on? What have you achieved? They say to him, in the old days in Europe, if somebody was able to bring one person back to, to become a Balchuva, they would be so excited about it that they would write it on their tombstone. But you, you brought tens of thousands back. How did you do it? What did you do? He says, I answered them in the following words. I said, if you go around Yerushalayim, you'll see that there's always a lot of construction. And if you watch a crane sometimes, the crane is this giant, giant crane, and it's holding a ton, literally 2,000 pounds worth of materials. And it lowers it and lowers it and lowers it. And there's always a guy at the bottom that has to guide it before they, they put it down where it belongs. He puts his hands under the load, and he slowly guides it to where it should be placed. If you would just look at that, you would think, my gosh, he's holding 2,000 pounds because it looks like he's holding it up. He's not holding the 2,000 pounds. The crane is holding the 2,000 pounds. And that's how we have to think. We think we can't because we believe that it's us who is doing this. We believe I can. Once you believe I can, then you believe I can't. The El Zar, this strange God, is the part of me that believes that I'm the one that creates my achievements. And I need to know, of course I put in the efforts. I have to put in the efforts. That's the Teva, that's what Hashem put into the world. But I have to understand from mitzvah number one, that he's creator, sustainer, and supervisor, orchestrator. And from mitzvah number two, that there is nothing else not even me, not even me. This is a hard concept to get because we think I can't. We actually believe I can't. We limit ourselves. When we say I can't, we're believing that we're the ones who can. And when we say I can, we're limiting ourselves because we're limited. Yes, there's certain things I can't do. So the Nefesh HaChaim talks about the goof and the neshama, and he brings a very interesting marshal. He says, the goof is like a shoe. When you put on a shoe, how much of your body is being covered by the shoe? Just really the heel and the, and the sole of the foot. Not much of your body. It's really just a tiny slice of your body that's in the shoe. The neshama and the goof are the same way. How much of the neshama is in the body? Just the tip. The rest of it hovers above the body and extends unlimited. We have a very narrow view of ourselves. We don't view ourselves as nitzchi, as eternal. We've got this neshama that is eternal and all we can touch and be aware of is the tip of it, the shoe, the, the part that our body encompasses which is just a very small piece of the neshama. If we would believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that is giving us unlimited strength and abilities, we would never say, I can't. It is possible to achieve the sheish mitzvos tmidios. If you remember in one of our sessions, I don't know, two or three, we gave out this booklet. And one of the things we talked about in this booklet was the Chita's statement that Nothing stands before your will. 
And then we explain that it could be there are things that you won't be able to achieve, okay? For maybe a Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't want you to. But we understood that that means there's nothing that stands in the way of your desiring it. You can desire as much as you want, unlimited. And so I had asked you and myself to fill in on the back of this something we think is beyond our limits to achieve. And now we're finally understanding that there really is nothing beyond our limits. We're unlimited because we can't. He can. And when we hook up to the crane and we get that unlimited power from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we really become unlimited. We have to recognize that this is what's going on. So we do our hishtadlus. We do what is in front of us to do, but with an understanding that it's not my job, it's not my efforts, it's not the doctor, it's not the government official, it's not my gold that I bought because the stocks are falling. No, it's none of those things. It's only HaKadosh Baruch Hu who is responding to our efforts as, that we do as human beings while we believe that we are totally fine, totally taken care of, and totally able. Are there any questions at this point? Everybody understands everything we're talking about? Okay, so I want to bring you a, another, under, another example of this. Another example of nitzchios that's created through the understanding that I can't, therefore I can. Therefore, there is no I can't. We're going to read in this week's Parsha about the Kohanim and the special place of the Kohanim, which, fam which family members they're allowed to mourn for, which family members they're not allowed to mourn for. And if you remember back in time, in Parsha's Mahaloscha, we, we learned how the Kohanim, how the Levine became the special group of people. And if you remember, Aaron HaKohen, Moshe and Aaron actually, but let's focus on Aaron. Aaron HaKohen had to take all 22,000 of the Levine, and he somehow had to, I'll use the word consecrate. He had to consecrate them to make them become the new Kohanim instead of the firstborn. If you remember, the firstborn were supposed to be the Kohanim. They lost that privilege when they worshipped the Egel HaZahav. And now, Shevet Levi, which did not worship the Egel HaZahav, and came flocking to Moshe Rabbeinu when he said, Mila Hashem Eli, who will, be, who will help me now? They all came, and they got rid of the people who had worshipped the Egel, and now they have earned, they have merited the, to, to be able to be the Kohanim and to serve in the Mikdash. So Aaron has a job. On this one day, he has to consecrate all 22,000 Levim, all of them. And his job, in order to consecrate them, one of the things he'll have to do is lift up each one of the Levim as if it's a lulav and shake it forward, backward, right, left, up, down. 22,000 Levim in one day. That's a big job. Did he think he could do it? What did it take to do it? Could I do it? Nope. Anybody else you know do it? Nope. 
Aaron Akoni was Mitsuva. He was commanded to do it. Now he took all of his strength and all of his mental and emotional strength and all of his love and devotion and desire. And he removed all barriers and limitations of the I can, therefore I can't. Sure, I can, I have strength, but I'll never be able to lift 22,000. He let go of the thinking that he could do anything at all without a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And he stepped into the place of everything is unlimited as long as I throw myself into it with my desire to fulfill Hashem's will. And lo and behold, he was able to lift and, and do a tenufa, to, to, to lift and move around each one of the 22,000 Nevi'im. Says Rabbi Slifkin, I didn't see this myself, but I heard that he says this. I'm going to use the word Nitrius. He created Nitrius by doing that, even though it was Hashem who enabled him to do it. How do you see this? Because many generations later, Klal Yisrael faced a situation where they were in a hopeless position and they needed to do something impossible. When was this? This was at the time of Hanukkah, when the Yavanim were closing off our connection to Torah and creating total darkness. The majority of the Jews had already swallowed hook, line, and sinker what the Yavanim, what the Syrian Greeks were telling us. The rationality of human beings, Torah doesn't make sense. We can only understand what we see and feel with our senses. It's the human mind and the human body that is supreme. But a small group of people said to themselves, we have to do the impossible. We're going to have to fight these, this greatest power in the world. Who was it? It was the Kohenim, the children of Aaron, the Aaron who had put himself out to do something impossible, relying on Hashem's help. His descendants did exactly the same thing at the time of Hanukkah. They engaged in an impossible battle and they won. You see how a person who lets go of his own kochos and says, everything I can and do is only because Hashem is enabling me, that is a person who's fulfilling mitzvah number one and mitzvah number two. It's almost a paradox. If I say I can, I can't, because I just limited myself. If I say I can't, I can because now I'm unlimited because I recognize it's not me. The El Zar, the foreign God inside of me is my ego that says, I have abilities, I can, I'm gonna do this. Because the minute we say that, we've diminished ourselves because now I have limits. Now, do we have to put in efforts? Yes, we do. Did Avram Avinu put in efforts to get Sarah safely through Mitzrayim? Yes. He did. Did it work? No, but it gave us an understanding and the ability to fight the battle to do this. So what I want to do now is... Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, there's another question. Yeah. Is that a good time? Sure. Why is it beneficial to want something that Hashem has deemed us unable to achieve or accomplish? How do you know he is he's deemed you unable to achieve or accomplish until you're dead?
unless you're saying a person doesn't have legs and he desperately wants to walk. You understand he's not going to be able to walk, but he can find other ways to walk. He can get some prostheses. He can learn to move around in the world with some kind of uh, wheelchair or something. So you have to understand, first of all, that we don't know what's best for us. And that's part of mitzvah number one, and it's mitzvah number three that we're going to come to next, which is Yichud Hashem, the oneness of Hashem. When we talk about achieving, we're talking about spiritual achieving. We're not talking about achieving in this world. Spiritual achieving is also designated by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other words, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, when we daven to Hashem, we are davening to achieve spiritually. The physical things we're asking for on Rosh Hashanah are so that we can achieve spiritually. Hashem will decree how far we will move forward that year based on our efforts, our tshuva, our longing, our devotion, and our ratzon. But he will decide how far we will grow spiritually. But it doesn't matter how far we get. What matters is that we are fulfilling our purpose, which is growing closer to Hashem and creating as much nitzchiyos as we can. Another understanding of nitzchiyos is that our lives are not limited to ourselves. We are a piece of an ongoing eternal people. We are an eternal people, which means that every generation is building towards the final purpose and achievement of the entire world. When I work on my mitos, it's not just for me. It's not just for what I'm going to achieve. It's for what Klal Yisrael is going to achieve and what I'm going to achieve in the world. My actions now, my attitude, my self-control can change the equation for the entire world. Again, we are a people that is Nitzchi. I am Nitzchi. We are a people that is Nitzchi. So if I control myself now, who knows if I'm bringing a refuah for COVID? Who knows when I control myself, if I'm bringing the world closer to its final purpose? So if there's something you want to achieve in this world and you can't, but you try, like Amravina try, you're changing the dynamic of the entire interaction of a Baruch with his entire world. Is that enough of an achievement? But for us to say, I should be able to achieve this, I should be able to get that, that goes against the entire mitzvah number one, that Hashem is the creator, sustainer, and, and, and orchestrator. He decides what's going to happen in my life. Is this somehow answering that question to a certain degree? Remember, mitzvah number two is about our purpose in this world, which is connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, becoming one with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the best of our ability. The minute we put up a barrier because things aren't the way we think they should be, we've lost connection. The minute we look at something else to be a solution, thinking that it's actually going to give us what we need, even though it's not going to bring us closer to Hashem, we have committed the felony of this losase, that you shouldn't think there's any power other than Hashem. If I turn to another solution, knowing that it is a means for Hashem to help me, 
and that helps me to trust him more and say whatever he decides is good, I'm going to do my hishtadlas. Beautiful. That solution might be your Yeshua. But don't look at that solution as having its own ability, its own freestanding ability to help me. It can't. Am I confusing you? Let's take a look at page number eight. I think it's going to help us to understand this more. I, I, I wanted to just give a picture of A, what we're involved in, in Nitzchius, so you can start appreciating every single act of struggle, of effort, of desire that you put in that we're heading towards Kabbalah Satorah, and every one of those acts is going to connect us to each other and to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and give us the schus to be Makabal the Torah again, which happens every year, by the way. Keep that in mind. And I wanted us to understand this idea of the minute you look to something else that pulls you away from your complete reliance and intimate connection to Hashem, to give you what you need, that's what this mitzvah is telling you. You can't do that. Yes, you do hishtadlus, only knowing, knowing that it's a Kaddish Baruch that helps you. My father, I think I've told you this story before, used to tell me about an uncle of his, I've told you this before, that when he would have to take medicine, he would pour the medicine into the spoon and he would make the bracha that this should please be a refuah to me, and then he would spill the medicine onto the ground. That's how he dealt with medical advice. We can't do that. We're not on that level. What was his message to himself? If Hashem wants me to be better, he's going to make me be better. Now, the Torah says, we're supposed to follow the doctors. I'm not saying we should do that. But it's a, it's a mindset of a person who so completely believed that it's a Kaddish Baruch who takes care of everything, that he, what does he need to take the medicine for? If we have time, I'll tell you a story at the end, the true story. But let's take page number eight. I hope that you have page number eight because it's a good page. It comes out backwards when I show it, right? No, it's fine, but should I share it? Yeah, sure. Okay, can you see it, everybody? So this is five common ways we believe in other power. Okay, we do not believe in Avodazara. It's not our problem today. But we are still not fulfilling this mitzvah because there are other smells of Avodazara that we are that, that we're involved in. So for Torah observant Jews who have no doubt that Hashem is the creator of the universe, the typical way we violate the prohibition of believing in other gods is by subscribing to one or more of the following five mistaken beliefs, which deny Hashem's role as supervisor, the one who orchestrates all that happens to us, or a sustainer, the one who sustains all that exists. Let's look at all five, and we can discuss them, okay? Number one, we mistakenly believe that things happen randomly. This is a replacement of Hashem as supervisor. The minute we believe that something just happened, we are not fulfilling the mitzvah of believing in Hashem. We're believing in other powers, some kind of random power, nature. 
Number two, we mistakenly believe that the laws of nature operate independently, which means that Hashem is not guiding them as every, at every moment, which people are saying now, sure, we were due for a pandemic. It's natural. It's the way of the world. Every number of years, there is a pandemic. And you can say that. You can say that. But this type of pandemic and what it has caused in the world and what's going on in each of our lives now and the fact that nobody knows what's going to happen. We don't even know if there's, we don't know if there are going to be camps this summer. We don't know if we're going to open up school in the fall. We don't know what's going to happen to the account. We know nothing. Oh, but it's just nature. This is nature. You can say that. You can choose to say that. You can ascribe to nature its own powers. Hashem has certainly created the laws of nature. It's easy to miss him. Remember we said Elohim and Hateva are the same gematria, the same numerical equivalent, because he hides himself in nature. This is a replacement of Hashem as sustainer. Number three. We mistakenly believe that other people can affect us independent of Hashem. This is a replacement of Hashem as sustainer. I think it's also a replacement of Hashem as orchestrator. Because every time we have an interaction with the person, the person hurts us, the person makes us lose money, the person makes us lose a job. That's not just sustainer, that's orchestrator too. We're believing that that person had the power to hurt us. Only if HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides. Now, it's a little bit more complicated with other people because Hashem does give free will to people. But we're not going into that discussion now. It's very, very complicated. But the bottom line is anybody you encounter during your life that is difficult for you, that causes you pain, that, that makes you lose out on something, that, that ruins your life, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent that person. It's one of the challenges he had sent for you. And he expects you to respond in as positive a way as possible. You will probably fail sometimes, but then you will get up and try again. The point is to do what Abraham Avinu did, the cloth, the silver, the gold, even if you think you're not gonna make it in the end. But remember that you can make it if it's Hashem who's making you make it. Number four, we mistakenly believe that segulos have independent powers. This is a replacement of Hashem as sustainer. This has become something very big in our generation. And it is, it's a sad thing because the minute you believe in a segula, you're not believing in Hashem. Oh, if I go to the wall 40 days in a row, go to the coastal 40 days in a row, I'm going to get married. I don't understand. A Kodesh Baruch Hu can't find you a shidduch if he believes that it's good for you to be married. He needs you to go 40 days to the wall. Oh, I have to put the red string around my wrist for an ayin hara. I'm not saying you shouldn't ever do things that you hear about doing. But people are putting so much faith into those segulos. You know, the Chavetz Chaim, in a very ironic way, says, you want to know what the best segula is? I'll tell you the best segula for everything. Parnasa, health, everything you can possibly imagine. Stop talking Lushen hara, and you will have an incredibly blessed life. That's the biggest segula, the biggest segula. But we believe that these kinds of things are going to, and it has become an actual belief. So we have to be very careful about that. And number five is exactly what we've been talking about until now. 
we mistakenly believe that our abilities and efforts are the cause of our success. This is a replacement of Hashem as sustainer. Now, it's hard. To, th these are human beliefs. This is something that every human being, people believe in the power of nature. Oh my gosh, there was this unbelievable storm last night and it knocked down the tree and the tree hit my house. And why did the tree hit your house? Yeah, there was a big storm and it knocked down the tree. But if you're a person who is living with Amuna, you will not believe that the tree, that nature had the ability to make the tree fall on your house. So these are things that we have to be aware of. The more we're aware of how we fall into this trap, the more we fulfill this mitzvah. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us that you shouldn't believe in any power other than Hashem, that means that we have a very strong pull to believe in other things as powerful. We believe that things are powerful because we're humans. And Hashem says, mm, I want you to go against that pull. Go to the best doctor because that's your hishtadlis. But the doctor is not going to heal you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to heal you. This takes focused work all the time. And you can do this work. For instance, you want to bake challah? I'm the greatest challah baker. I have it down to a, I have it down to a science. I know how to make perfect challah every time. Shaping them, they're just gorgeous every time. Really, is it you who's making the good challah? Or is it you asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu to enable you to make beautiful challahs for Shabbos? We can train ourselves in everything we do by asking Hashem to help us. You're taking a walk in the morning? Ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to enable you to be safe, not be hit by a car, not trip on a crack in the sidewalk, not uh, lose your way. It, he can decide that you'll have some kind of an accident on your walk. I'm going to keep myself healthy. You don't know you're going to keep yourself healthy. Do whatever you can. The Torah impels us very much to take care of our health. But that's not what will decide how healthy we will be. It's a constant relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the creator and the sustainer and the orchestrator of every detail of our lives. If you engage in that, you will be less likely to believe that there's power in other things. And when you find yourself believing in that, you stop yourself. And you really focus on your belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So I, I would like to give you some homework. And you know that I think that writing is a very, very powerful and important thing to do. I think that everybody should just take a piece of paper and write, where am I limiting myself? It will probably be a very long list because you have to realize that we want to limit ourselves. We're lazy, we're afraid. We're afraid to be too big. We're afraid to engage with that piece of the neshama that is a little bit higher than our goof. We're afraid to actually go so high that we can touch HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
so to speak. That's too hard. It's too much work. It's too scary. I can never do that. That is a limiting, limiting belief. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is asking us with this mitzvah, don't limit yourselves by believing that it's dependent on your own abilities. If you desire it, I will pull you up. I will pull you forward. Every single one of us is able to fulfill these sheish mitzvahs because if HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't think every Jew was capable of doing it, he would not have been mitzvah these mitzvahs to us. There's no way out, ladies. We're stuck. We have to do these sheish mitzvahs. We don't have to achieve them all by tomorrow, but we have to know that we can do it, and we have to put things into place that will enable us to do it a little bit at a time. We have to be aware and conscious. Remember, these are thought mitzvahs. We can use our thoughts to concentrate on these things throughout the day. These mitzvahs are the are miklat. They are the the special cities where we're safe, where we, the refuge cities, where we run away to them to keep us from falling into the storm around us. The storm of only believing in ourselves, not believing in how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help us. We say, I can't all the time. I can't do this. It's too hard. I'll never be able to achieve that. I can't deal with this anymore. This is beyond me. You understand when you're saying that you are following an L. Czar, a strange God within you. This is a very big realization. We think we believe. Do we really believe? So make this list. Where are you limited? Where are you limiting yourself? Will you ever be able to dive in Ushona Esri with a tremendous, tremendous connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Will you ever be able to not resent so-and-so? Will you ever be able to forgive so-and-so? Will you ever be able to accept Hashem's will in your life fully, fully with excitement, with knowing that you're stuck in the shoe. You're only seeing a little tip of life. You're stuck in the shoe. The neshama is thousands of times bigger than the tiny tip that's in your body. And we think we understand life. We think we know what we should have in life. No, that's just the piece of that's the shoe. You're way beyond that. We have to stop limiting ourselves by believing that everything is directed and sustained by Hashem, and He will enable us to do anything possible. And, you know, for me personally, I'm looking at a situation where I don't know what will be in the fall. I don't know if school will start. I have a school, girls to build, a school to, to create a dynamic. and to It will be Elul. It will be Rosh Hashanah. How on earth am I going to create an atmosphere, an environment, and have the girls bond together and learn? And how do I in incorporate the ninth graders? What's going to be? It's going to be a disaster. And I say to myself, what do you mean? It's not up to me. If I will do efforts, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will enable good, beautiful things to happen for his children. I have to believe that. Like my uncle Noah believed 
If I care for Hashem's honor, I want every one of his children to know him. And I'm never going to stop, no matter how many times I fail. And I'm going to get every Jew in the world, every single Jew in the world, to come to know Hashem. And he sure did make a dent in that. So I say we should write down where we're limiting ourselves and say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm ready to move forward. In little steps, I'm ready for you to take me forward. And then we will be fulfilling this mitzvah and we'll be getting ready for Kabbalah Torah, and we'll be recognizing that we are an Am Nitzri. We are an eternal people with an eternal soul individually and communally. And everything we do makes a difference to the eternity of the entire world from beginning to end. Now give me some questions or comments. We have a couple minutes left. Um, should, I say, should I start? Okay, so, um, sorry. Where does giving a person unsolicited advice fit into trusting Hashem as orchestrator? Should we refrain from giving advice if it's not asked for? Yes. Okay, if I have an accident and looking back, it looks like I could have prevented it. Should I now say to myself, God intended this accident and he made a miracle that I wouldn't get hurt too much. I think that this is what you should say. If the accident was my own fault, what can I learn from it? I'm going to learn for the future how to deal with things a little bit better. I'm going to be more conscious when I drive. I'm going to be safer. I'm going to make sure I wear a seatbelt. I have to look at this and see where was I pushaya? Where was I not fully responsible? And then I want to thank HaKadosh Baruch from his goodness that he protected me and saved me. And I want to show him that I'm going to use that, that miracle that he did for me to serve him with more gratitude, more love, more appreciation, and bringing his love to the rest of Kali Yisrael. Pay him back. You, want to, you don't want to owe him. We all owe him. But you want to always pay him back for the good things he does. Use it, Latov. Robinson, can you hear me? Yeah. It's Marcia. Yeah. You talked about the Shadles 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, these people are too young to, to, to know, but I remember that very well. And I went through and I had to go out and buy myself some new Shadles. The non-real uh, non hair. What do they call the synthetics? Yeah, yeah. Whatever it was. And I had to get rid of it and go. So I only want real hair now. And I, you know, go to the, to the, uh, to make sure I get the right thing now. But I remember that very well. Could I ask, could I, could I digress for a minute for something? I could send you an email. I made a challah. Only four cups. Do I say a bracha with four cups? Do I take challah? No. It's a recipe without yeast. Oh. I, I found it on Google, how to make challah without yeast. Okay, that sounds great. I didn't cook it long enough, but uh, it came out pretty good. So trying until you get it right. You yeah, because I, I didn't have any yeast to make it. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, there's more questions. Yeah. Um, okay, so how do we choose what area to work on first? I think the first area is to believe in ourselves because the minute you tell yourself, I am no good, Hashem doesn't want from me, I'm on such a low level, 
you have now made yourself a barrier between you and him. The first thing is to understand the power of your neshama, to realize that you don't even you don't you don't even have a taste of it. You don't even know what it is. Recognize you only it's it's there is so much to you that you aren't even aware of that was given to you as a gift by Hashem. And it's not about you. It's about that neshama that is yearning to serve him. If you get into that mode and you recognize the beauty, the power, the glory of your neshama, you won't tell yourself you can't grow. I think that's the very first place. Not everybody has that problem, but I my experience is that 90% of the people I meet have that problem. They don't believe they're good enough to try that a Kodesh Baruch should really care about them and acknowledge their goodness. And it's a problem. And then each person knows this, this is a very good time to sit down and think about where am I falling short? Am I careful about mitzvahs on Shabbos, about halachos on Shabbos? How am I being Adam Lachavero? Am I, have I been talking have I been trying to speak with more love to people? You can look at the three areas. You can also look at your hand. We've got the tefillah. We've got uh, introspection. We've got connection to Torah. We've got bitachon. We've got small steps. Choose any one of those. Make a tiny, tiny, tiny step and understand that with that tiny step, you can soar beyond imagination. But something, something you should take on. Tiny, tiny. Okay, two more things. Um, so one is a reminder about the story. Everybody's very excited about the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'll ask one more question first. Um, how do we turn from saying I can't do, I, I, I'm sorry, how do we turn from saying I can't to a different narrative? I think what we just, what we just said about the, if, if you work on Number one, recognizing that every single thing you accomplish or do or think is from a Kodesh Baruch Hu. He puts ideas in your head. He gives your hands abilities to make things. He enables you to think, to breathe, to talk, to create. It's all him. If you really get that, then there's no such thing as I can't. You try. Try. If you put yourself out there, it's like, it's like Rib Noach. How can any one Jew affect hundreds of thousands of Jews? You care. But something that you care about, move in that direction. Move in that direction. Train yourself to recognize that when you feel like it's too hard, I can keep going. It's too hard to be patient with the kids. HaKadosh Baruch Hu enables me to be patient with the kids. It's too hard to accept what Hashem has decided for my life. Kodesh Baruch Hu gives me the ability to accept. If I believe that, I'll have the ability to accept. If we focus on mitzvah number one and get it, ain't od novado, there's nothing else, there's no other power. We are powerless. Then there's no limit to what I can do. Does that, does that give you an insight into it? Does that help whoever asked that question? Okay, is that it? Um, yeah, just the story, that's it for now. Okay, so I'll tell you the story. 
Reb Chaim Shmulevitz used to tell this story about the Alshech. The Alshech lived, uh, I think, maybe the 16th century, maybe earlier. I don't know. But um, this is what happened. He once gave, I hope I'm telling the story right. He once gave an unbelievable drasha in Shul about um, trusting Hashem. And that Hashem will, you know, if a person devotes himself totally to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, totally, 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 Hashem will take care of him. He won't even have to work for a living. He gave a very powerful discourse. So there was a, a very simple person. He was a wagon driver who heard the Aushech give this talk. And he decided, if the Aushech says that, it must be true. So he sold his horse and wagon to a non-Jew the next day. Took a loss. Didn't care. Hashem's going to take care of him. He announced to his family that he's going to the base medrash and he's going to be in the base medrash all day. And they said, you're insane. What are you doing? You have to take care of us. He said, the Aushech said, and I'm following what he said. And he went three days in a row to the base medrash. He wasn't very learned. He said to Hillen, he started, you know, involving himself in learning. And this is what happened on the fourth day. And it's an unbelievable story and you won't believe it, but the Aushech himself records it. And Rukhaim Shmulevitz reported this story. On the fourth day, the horse and wagon appeared without a driver in front of his home. And in the buggy was a box. And in that box, that box was filled with gold and silver and jewels. What happened? They figured the whole thing out. The person that he had sold his horse and buggy to was a thief who had been working in that area for years and had been quite successful. And he used to take whatever he stole to the forest. And he had a special place near a certain tree. And he dug a big, big, deep hole and he put his box in there. And every once in a while, he would come back to the forest to fill up this box. But at a certain point, he realized that people are getting suspicious of him because he's been in this area, these few towns, for 20 years or so. And people are starting to smell that maybe it was him who's been the thief. So he said to himself, I better move. So he bought a horse and buggy because he's got to go to the forest and get his box out of the forest. He's got to go to another place with his treasure. He goes to the forest and he starts digging and he sees the box. And he goes into the hole to lift the box out. He lifted the box into the buggy and then he slipped and the earth around the hole buried him alive. And the horse is standing there with the buggy, with the wagon. And there's no rider to tell him where to go. So eventually he finds his way back to his owner's home. And there he was in front of the house with a treasure in the wagon. So this man who had believed in the Aushach so much now was able to obviously support his family very, very well and become a Tamil Chacham and only learn. So the Aushach's students came to him the next day and they said, we don't understand it. We also believe in Hashem. And he said to them, but you don't believe to the degree that he did. He sold the only means of Parnassah that he had 
he gave his entire life and being over to this. He really believed it. If you believed the way he really believed, Hashem would take care of you too. It's a true story. It really happened to a simple person who believed. We, you know, it's interesting because Rabbi Cooper Smith has a, a list, and I think it's in the book, where he talks about the kind of midos you'll have if you don't conquer this mitzvah number two. He says, this is what's going to happen. Here's how you will be. You'll be pessimistic, because remember, you don't really believe that you're unlimited. You'll be sad, cynical, frustrated, insecure, fearful, draining to be with, self-centered, and low energy. Do we find ourselves in any of those things? Where we got voices in our heads telling us, you can't do this, it's too hard, you're not gonna, it's not, we're not gonna work, it's not working out, life's not working out. Because you believe you're limited, this is it, I can't, I can't create anything more, this is it, this is where my life has come to. We can be full of energy, we can be full of belief, we can believe like Rev Noah in the crane. We just, we just put our hands under the crane and do the effort and Hashem takes care of it. We can have all the energy in the world if we believe. We have to believe in our own neshamas and our own connection to Ribbon Shalom. Switch a little bit of how you think of it and you will be amazed at how much joy it can fill you and how much belief and excitement and enthusiasm you can live with all the time. Because it's real. You see, you don't really believe it's real. Not me. It can't be true for me. We don't believe it's real. So create a nitzachon. Create a victory that will be nitzchiyos, that will be eternity. Shift your thinking. These mitzvahs are about thinking. Shift your thinking. Believe in the unlimited love and power of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that you can move forward, create great things, put in your effort, trust it's all going to be good, and accept your challenges and believe that Hashem will help you to meet those challenges. Thank you so much, ladies. Tizki Lemitzvos, Tizkena Lemitzvos, should all be zochet to more mitzvos of trying to bond with the Rebona Shalom. Tova, thank you so much. Yeshikoach. Good night, everyone.